Enable yourself to set boundaries right from the start and then you don't feel like you're on the back foot producing this work for someone who, you know, kind of has you under their thumb. Corinne Morrison and I'm an Australian contemporary painter. Here I welcome you inside my studio as I reveal the good, the bad and the messiest parts of my creative life. As you dive down this rabbit hole with me, it's my hope that through honest connection, this space becomes a true legacy of what it means to be stubborn in service of pure passion. Let's dive in. studio. Uh, it's my hope that this recording is a lot less noisy than the recording I did of this podcast yesterday. Um, I listened back to it in the car. So this is version two of this podcast. Um, but don't worry, it will be, it will be better. Um, I was listening to the recording I did yesterday Yesterday was the 27th, today is the 28th of April when I'm recording this and there was so much external noise in the background like the paint shakers and anyway I think I must have pressed a little button on um, my voice recording system anyway. We will try again. And so far today, it's been a little bit less noisy in the paint shop downstairs. So um, I wanted to backtrack a little bit before I get into this week's topic being commissions. Um, And I have been in hermit mode for about three weeks or since around that Easter period. Um, so last episode I spoke briefly about packing a bag with some art stuff um, and with my play panels and that is what I did over Easter I packed a little bag with my play panels and just some acrylic paint and some pencils and just bits and pieces and when we went down to our holiday house I set up a little area for myself Um, at the end of the table and just immediately had everything set up. So I had a little table easel there and I had my palette and anyway, the idea of that was to set myself up for success because um, going down there, that was actually reading deprivation week in the artist way. So week four of the artist way is by far the hardest week. And what reading deprivation is, is it's basically, well, you're not allowed to read, but you switch off your social media, don't watch the TV, you don't read your emails, you don't read your texts. It's essentially stopping you from consuming external information. And it is the weirdest experience when you haven't done it before. Um... For me, week four, because I've done The Artist's Way so many times, 
I kind of go in ebbs and flows of loving week four and hating week four. And this time around, week four just has seemed to drag on because I enjoyed it so much. So I did. I switched off everything. Um, So you probably noticed um, I have started dipping my toe back in the water of doing some social media stuff now. Um, But prior to this, I really wasn't looking at my social media. I wasn't reading. I wasn't watching a lot of TV. Uh, I did... I did open a couple of art books, though, I must say, after week four. But overall, taking that time off away from everything has allowed me to really be with my work, which has been so, so, so important at this point in time, um, being in the thick of these commissions that I'm working on at the moment. So I wanted to briefly talk about my play panels before I get into this topic of commissions. Something really interesting has happened with my play panels. Now, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, you can go back and listen to it. But my play panels, I used to do them religiously before every single painting session. Um, And what they are is they're just timber, plywood that you get cut at Bunnings into like 30 by 30 squares. And I have a massive pile of them. And what I used to do when I was working in oil and cold wax, I used to do it all the time as a warm-up. And I just used to grab one, used to play for 30 minutes. The idea of these panels was never to make a beautiful artwork it was literally just to warm up to get my hand moving across the surface to ease my way into a studio session and I did that for a long time and somehow that habit kind of slowly disappeared over time anyway I have just started getting back into doing these play panels again before every studio session and I took these play panels down the coast with me And it was a full house down the coast. It was my mum and my nan, my dad, my daughter, me, my fiancé. And funnily enough, because they were there, everyone was playing with them. So everyone was having a go painting. I had a big roll of canvas out on the grass for Harlan. So she was painting too. It was just wonderful. It was so freeing. And... um, Since coming back, obviously, from the Easter period, I've continued on those same panels. So I'm rotating, like, three panels at the moment. And all I am doing, they are... So when I walk into my studio, where my big glass palette is set up, I have slat wall on all of my walls in my studio, which means that I can basically create an easel wherever I want to. So as I walk into the studio, the wall that's right near my palette... There are racks hooked into the wall and those play panels are quite literally just sitting there constantly. So the moment I walk into the studio, I squeeze the paint out on my palette, I grab a play panel, I do a quick 30 minutes. And I have been trying to do, you know, 10 minutes on one, 10 minutes on the next one, 10 minutes on... Not necessarily. Sometimes I don't do it on all three, but it's a very fluid, very organic, very playful way of getting into my 
painting for the day. And sometimes I think it's really important when you're working on commissions, especially because you're creating something and you know it's for someone else. I mean, of course, I'm always creating for myself first, but when you are bringing something to life for a client, I think that there also needs to be a balancing point um, within the studio practice at the same time to be able to release that for a period of time and just have fun with something. Now, since doing these, I have felt a little bit the last few weeks like I'm kind of being pulled in a few different directions, being that there are some things happening in my plate panels that are really exciting me that I know I have lost in my larger work. And I just haven't yet figured out I'm just going to keep playing with them. And my thoughts are, because this is generally what happens, is I'm sure that slowly some of these techniques I'm putting into the play panels will eventually seep into the bigger work as well. Um, But I'm just really enjoying the process of going on this adventure with my work at the moment. Um, The only deadlines that I kind of currently have some art prizes that I'm working on in these commissions. So it has just felt like a really nice time to, like what I've been speaking about the whole time since this podcast, not push, not push for anything to be happening or push things to be a certain way. I'm just really organically letting things kind of unfold and because of that I think there is a a playful nature coming out in these panels like when I'm picking them up and looking at them um, it's really interesting some of the little things that are being carried on it's like there's this little image of a house which I don't really know why it's there In actual fact, there are some little scribbly images. Ah, so interesting, actually. I wasn't actually going to talk about this, but now I feel like it's relevant to this conversation. Um, I have actually... I've been doing a little bit of inner child work for the last four months, being... um, How would I explain it? Well, okay, so at the start of this year being in a much more grounded place, I started to notice these really bubbling up weird emotions that I had never felt before. And I'm like, why is this happening? And one of my close friends said, why don't you go and do some psychotherapy? Like it might just help clear whatever needs to be cleared. And I guess there is part of me that has never felt like I needed any of that. Not in an arrogant way, I just had never thought about it before. Um, I say that and my sister's a psychologist. I'm sure she has thoughts about me. I'm sure she does. Anyway, she's killing it. She She got so much intelligence. I seriously look at her and I'm just 
in awe. Her ability to study is just beyond anything I've ever seen. Anyway, we are very different people. Um, <laughs> I got the art and she got the brains. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I have brains in my own way, though. Um, but back to these play panels. Yeah, maybe this little house is babbling up a bit because of this inner child work that I'm doing. That could be a bit of a stretch. But anyway, this, these sessions have been building this really intense level of curiosity in me because I think in my head when I started doing these sessions I was just thinking to myself well, I just go in and sit down and talk I'm good at talking I'm sure when I talk some shit's going to come up and maybe this beautiful lady's going to be able to help me and by the way this beautiful psychotherapist of mine is a freaking magician. Like, she has this ability to get you to feel in your body like this emotion that you didn't even know was there. And then she kind of cracks me wide open. And after every session, I leave feeling... like completely lighter but numb and it, it's a really odd feeling for me because I think because I've always been someone who feels maybe it's just ego but I have always felt that I know what direction I'm heading in I have always felt like I know who I am and I don't carry I haven't thought that I have been carrying a lot of fear with me at all. Like, I wouldn't ever describe myself as a fearful person. I, and last session, I think, took me three days to basically um, begin to feel again. Like, I was just so outside of myself, and I walked out of that last session we were talking about some inner child stuff I'm obviously not going to go into detail but I I left that session feeling like holy shit like that next layer of the onions just being peeled off and I freaking don't know who I am I don't know anything and um anyway the only reason I have felt like it's relevant to say is because maybe Maybe doing all of this stuff is going to pivot my work in some way. And I know with these play panels, because they are not... You're not thinking when you're doing them. Like, I literally come into the studio, I grab one, I put my headphones on, I play some really loud music or I listen to a podcast and I just respond to what's in front of me. So, like, if I like a section, I'll leave it there. I might paint around it to highlight it. If I don't like it, I just cover it up. And then I obviously have my little sandy techniques that I do and my carving techniques. And so all of that is kind of going into this. But then when I pick them up, the history that's in them, I look at and I go, oh, 
there is a lot of me in this and I can kind of feel it. I can feel the emotional um, quality of the work quite intensely in these tiny little play panels. And it's like that is what I want to bring into the bigger work. But I guess you can kind of understand because it's like such a an energetic kind of thing that's happening. I'm like, okay, well, how do I convert that into a how? Um, and in some ways it's not so simple as doing the same things that I do on the panel, on the big panel, um, because when you size up, like, you can't just use the same tools and stuff or your tools get bigger. So anyway, my head's going a bit of, like, at a bit of a fast pace at the moment, trying to trying to just sit with those and negotiate with this current panel that I'm working on, which is not the commission. Um, I'm kind of negotiating with that at the moment as to where to take it next. I've still got a bit more carving on it, but, you know, it's getting there. Um, anyway, back to our topic for today. Um, which, like I said, has been really relevant because I've been working on these commissions for about 12 weeks now, which is essentially the... Oh, it's a fairly standard time frame that I give because when I do commissions, I do... Um, I basically don't overcommit myself to anything else. Like, everything else going on in the studio at the moment doesn't have a deadline that's close by anyway. So what that allows me to do is purely focus on the work for the client um, and really invest myself into it. So commissions. It's, it's an interesting topic to talk about because I know so many artists that don't want to do commissions because they feel restricted by it or um, they don't want to deal with the client or, you know, various reasons. Obviously, everyone has a different reason. For me... Um, I have never had a bad experience with a commission and I have found right from the word go that the clients that I attract for my work are people that understand that my process is organic, it has risk involved and because of that they are never clients that are picky people that want that colour here or they want it to look like a specific you know, my clients tend to be a little bit more abstract-minded like me and willing for me to just do what I do. I'm really, really grateful for that. I shouldn't jinx it. That's just been what, it's, what has seemed to happen since doing commissions. So with commissions, obviously everything New South Wales-based um, goes through my gallery. But outside of that... Um, I do have people that get in touch with me. So the current um, commissions I'm working on are for a US client and basically she filled out her um, commission form on my website and sent me through kind of a few ideas that she had. Now, my process is a really honest one right from the word go and it's not intimidating at all either. Like my... My commission process is very similar to the types of conversations I'm having with you on this podcast. And in the end, I don't take myself too seriously. 
I don't take the client too se- like too serious in a good way, but I mean we're able to open up and build a nice relationship and have a bit of fun at the same time. And so essentially what I do right from the word go is I make sure that I set boundaries um, right from the beginning. So the clients get in touch, they have an idea, and I sit with that idea um, for about a week and I have a think about it and I think to myself, okay, do I want to invest my time into this idea or this concept? Is it in line with what I'm doing now or does it feel in my gut like it's not quite a fit for me? And then I also get a feel of the client themselves. So I always set up an initial Zoom meeting. Um, And one of the reasons I do that is because I want to introduce myself and basically um, pull the curtain back a little bit on myself, my life, um, so that they can see how I am, how I operate, and so that they can essentially release any tension they've got about all this big serious commission thing. Um, And what it also allows me to do is it allows me to get a feel for them. And if after that initial meeting I'm getting this gut feeling that they're going to be a person that might be you know, a little bit too particular or is asking things of me that I, my gut feeling is telling me is not in line with my values or um, my purpose for why I create, at that point, I would have absolutely no problem saying to the client, look, it's really wonderful that you'd, you'd love to commission a painting, um, but at this point in time, that just doesn't feel like it's going to be a fit with me. Um, and I would be really honest right from the word go. So by being really honest, you enable yourself to set boundaries right from the start and then you don't feel like you're on the back foot producing this work for someone who, you know, kind of has you under their thumb. That has never been the vibe that I have ever taken into producing work purely because that is not how I allow it to unfold. So this client, we had an amazing Zoom meeting. She's happy, bubbly. In actual fact, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this girl could be like my best friend. Like she just had this really beautiful vibe about her. She was so excited. She was um, so appreciative. And hey, she got in touch from the other side of the world. And for me, this is a really wonderful opportunity for me too, because I have never done a commission for a US client before. So, hey, that's a really exciting goal I get to tick off for myself too. So we had our initial meeting. um, Then I sit with her ideas and I basically email her back some of my thoughts. Um, With all commission clients, what I do is I actually get them to have a really good hard look through my website and my previous portfolio of work so that they can see what direction I'm heading in um, and also, often people will pull out a couple of works and go, look, I really love what you've done with this work. I don't like this part of this work. And all of that helps. So the more information I can get, the better. Um, and for this particular client, like most of my clients, she just basically said, look, I just love what you do. Um, I love this work that you just did. And I also love this work. I like... 
um, anything to do with mountains and a river running through. Um, and her whole essence, the whole time I was talking to her, just felt bright and happy and magnetic and a little bit like a rainbow unicorn like me. And I just thought, yes, love this client already. I could feel right from the start that it was going to be just a really good connection, a nice, easy, um, low-key, fun commission, and it has been the entire time. So essentially what I do is I get a 50% deposit off them. I send them, obviously, a commission contract, um, and uh, we basically talk through the colour palette, my intentions for what I want the work to be. And once that 50% deposit's received, I get started. And, yeah, it has... Like, there hasn't been any bumps in the road with these at all, which has been really nice. Sometimes there are. Um, and by all means, because of my sanding process, not... Every time I sand, it, it, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always come off in something um, like I always use the word magic because that's what it feels like as I'm kind of pulling and excavating the landscape back out of the surface. But with these, the initial sand that I did back um, at the start of this week, I was doing the initial sand, um, it went really well. Um, these panels are not overtly big. They're probably the smallest commissions I'd do. They're an 80 by 80 centimetre um, size. And when I say they, I should, I should explain what I do with commissions because back when I first started doing commissions, I started right from the start always doing more than one. I didn't do that from the purpose of a marketing perspective or anything like that, it was purely out of a need for me to make sure I had pure creative freedom going into the works and so that I didn't ever feel restricted because realistically, I am never just working on one painting unless it's one massive one. And even then, I usually have other things going on. So for me... It's very natural to be working on two things in the same type of, you know, brief. Now, it made it really exciting for this client because she didn't actually give me a colour palette that she wanted or anything like that. She just basically gave me free reign to do what I do. And so with both these panels, um, her likes were of a similar... Um, landscape as one other one that I had previously done and sold and what she had said to me was yeah just kind of do what you do and so I reworked um, some compositions um, from some drawings that I had and kind of made them more into US based landscapes in looking at the work now I don't know whether I can see that I mean there's certainly elements that don't scream Australian landscape at all. Like the colours are um, probably more fit with a, a US-based landscape. Um, and like I've changed some areas that were really snow-like into more rocky formations. And anyway, 
where they're at at the moment is the initial sand is done. I have carved the first one and it's pretty much like I'm looking at it now, it's essentially done or based on what I'm looking at today. I am going to come in with a fresh set of eyes next week and basically do the final analysing of them. I am about to start carving into the second painting and the last few days that I've been carving, it's just been so therapeutic. It's a slow process, the carving process, but it's very meditative and um, very different from, like, the hecticness of the sander because after that, like, I go home and I'm just exhausted. And then it's been really nice. This carving um, stage basically recenters me back into the work again and it forces me to slow down. Um, and, yeah, so obviously... Throughout the beginning stages of my process, I will say this because I think it is something that some artists maybe slip up with a bit with commissions and I don't know, if you're an artist and you're listening, I'd be really keen to hear about your, you know, your opinion on doing commissions, how you go about it, but for me, always do two works, but what I do right from the start, like I said at the start, I set boundaries. I tell the client right from the start, you will not receive photos until the initial sand is done. Why do I do that? Because my layering phase, really, it is of no benefit to the client whatsoever because I know what I'm doing. I know how mathematical my layering phase is, but the client doesn't. So I do hold back that initial stage of the work and I actually only show sneak peeks of the work. So I will send the client detail shots um, of some of the areas of carving, little time lapses of small sections of um, like the video process of me excavating some of the colour out of it so that they can start getting a taste for the beautiful bright colours that are coming through. But I don't actually send them the full image until I reach a point where in my eyes, I feel that the work is complete. So when I send those photos, I take high res images, as in the images, the same images that would go on my website. I also send um, the client multiple options of frames and I Photoshop the frames around them so they can get a picture as to exactly how the work would look. And essentially what that does is it makes it very easy for a client to make a decision. And because I always do two or more, like my previous commission client, I did a whole collection of work because their brief that they gave me was so in line with what I was already doing. So all I did was just continue painting paintings. And then, you know, at the time that the commission period had kind of finished, I said, look, this is what I've got. And they ended up choosing two. Now... Since doing more than one painting, I will let you in on a little secret. Like I said at the start, this was never a marketing ploy. The intention is never for the client to have to buy both. So the second painting that I do, I know full well. Financial risk on me, yep, 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 yep. But that's okay 
because in the end, if the client doesn't purchase the second one, it's completely fine by me. I never put that pressure on the client. I just simply show them both. And if I'm honest with you, 90% of the time, the second one sells as well. Not always to the client, but usually to someone that they know or someone who's just been kind of observing the commission process through social media or or whatnot. So it's interesting to see how that often falls into place. So I guess there is a part of me that goes into commencing the two commissions from this perspective that nothing is ever going to be lost. And part of me also has this expectation that, you know what, all the work sells eventually. Some of it takes longer than others. And in the end, if a painting does not sell after X number of years, I paint on panel. If I feel that I don't want to hang them myself in my own house, then I can just reuse the panel. I just cover it up and we go again and whatever is there underneath acts as even more history for the future painting. So to me, nothing is ever lost. Um, so the stage that I'm at at the moment with these, I have actually sent her some sneak peeks. She's been super, super excited. Um, but I'm speaking to you from this perspective today that I guess by the time you next hear from me, I should know whether one or more of these commissions has been approved and is at the frame. So you can kind of keep your fingers and toes and everything else crossed for me. Um, Now, the other thing I have been meaning to talk about, I felt like mentioning it earlier and then I think I've just kept on forgetting, but you may have noticed um, on my social media, like my Instagram and all of that, that I'm really only showing sneak peeks of my process now. And I have made this choice to do that for a couple of reasons. A, the content that you put on social media, Facebook, TikTok, you don't own. You are parking your content on someone else's lawn. And ever since Instagram has had this blue ticky becoming verified thing and you're paying them now to, you know, potentially give you more traction and more visibility. Hey, I've got my blue tick and that's fine. But what that did to me was it did make me a little bit cranky and it did reinforce what I already knew in that if you are investing all of your energy into someone else's property, then in the end you don't own that anymore like the exposure that I get on Instagram is fabulous I can connect with people but in the end my priority is the people who have put their hand up and said I want to be on your mailing list and in my eyes when someone joins my mailing list I am not someone that spams people with information every week or whatnot the information that I put out to my mailing list is valuable information it talks about all of my process it is videos from behind the scenes and I have just made this very subtle pivot to prioritize that over 
spending all of my best video editing on Instagram or TikTok or whatnot. To me, the way I want to show up for the people who have purchased my work, who are interested in purchasing my work, to artists who are interested in my process, who are following, giving me feedback, those are the people that I want to be the most vulnerable with. You guys talk, like that are listening today, you guys are the ones I want to be the most vulnerable with. And so if you're not already on my mailing list, join my mailing list because all of these time-lapse videos for the entire process, for every single painting, I do a complete time-lapse from start to finish And I'm going to actually start sitting down in front of the work again and having a little bit of a discussion about the work, about the things that were hard about it, about the things that worked really well. Um, And just doing a lot more kind of conversations that are not just going to flick up on the feed and then disappear. So anyway... Join my mailing list. It's just a little mental pivot that I've I've realised. And so in the videos that you'll see on social media, I'm often now saying for the full video, um, head and become part of my mailing list. So um, anyway, if any, if any other artists have any more thoughts on how social media works or doesn't work for them, please hit me up. It's an interesting topic. I feel like I've listened to a lot of podcasts myself about this exact thing and so I think a lot of creatives are now thinking in the same way. In saying that, I know full well that I get, you know, exposure that I wouldn't otherwise have through social media and I think for sure we all need it to an extent. But the amount of energy that we pour into it and in the end reading deprivation, switching off for three quarters of this month. I'm sure no one missed me on Instagram. I'm sure no one was thinking, oh, where's Corinne gone? No, of course not. So really, and I felt much lighter. I felt going back into the studio, not having to worry about picking my phone up and doing an Instagram story. I have been doing that this week, but Not doing that constantly has meant that I can really invest my time in creating videos for my mailing list that are good videos, like videos that I'm really, really proud of. So they will all be coming out soon. Um, Anything else that's been alive for me? Oh, um, I've been doing some running. (laughs) So... I am um, the the competitive part of me um, dug myself a little bit of a hole over Easter, um, and while we were down at Colborough, I was sitting at the table. We're all doing the play panels. We we're having a glass of wine, and um, I said, "I feel like I need like a new challenge, like because I've always kind of had." like my gymnastics and then it was CrossFit and then I've been doing some weights. I'm like, oh, I just need something else that I enjoy doing that's for myself, that's, you know, not art-related, that's a bit more fitness-related. 
And I said, oh, I think maybe I should start running again. Maybe I could train for a marathon. <laughs> See how my brain goes? I just jump to the biggest thing. Yeah, I'll just start training for a marathon. And um, both of my parents have done marathons before growing up. My parents were both running a lot. And I was like, yeah, cool, I could do that. And mum and dad pipe in and they're like, well, Corinne, you know, the marathon is something that you, like, really have to train for, like, consistently. And I'm like, I know about training. I can train. That's fine. I'll do it. And so, of course, being the person that I am, I get onto Strava, I download the app, which channels all your analytics, start tracking everything. And the next day, I went for a run while we were down the coast. And it felt really good. And my pace wasn't that bad. And my cardio was not as bad as I remember it being. Anyway, then started the runner's high that I have been on for the rest of this month. On Strava, I found this challenge, which was like an April challenge that's like run 100 kilometres from the 1st of April to the 30th of April. And I was like, yeah, cool, I could do that, only. It was like the 17th of April when I got started. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine, 100K is no problem. Anyway, fast track to today, and I have officially finished the 100 kilometres in under half the time that I had. Um, And... I have to admit it was a challenge. It was quite difficult. (laughs) Um, But I did it. And I have to admit, I am very sore. I am very tired. And I am just craving carbs constantly at the moment. And I don't eat bread or pasta. Pasta sometimes. But I don't eat a lot of carbs. Except for veggies. And lately I have just been like... Oh my gosh, craving carbs like nothing else. So anyway, I have done it. I have ticked off the goal of the 100Ks and I'm like, cool, what's the next goal going to be? Anyway, that is where I'm at at the moment. So I'm going to continue carving this panel. Hopefully I will get this edited and out to you. And fingers crossed there is not as much external noise in this recording. If there is, stuff it. It's going to stay because I'm not recording again. Um, And in the meantime, reach out, hit me up, make sure you share this podcast to any creative people that you know or collectors. Um, And if you are interested in commissioning an artwork for yourself, it's super simple. You just reach out. Head to my website. There is a commission button there. You can fill out that form or just send me a message. Um, And, yeah, we'll set up a little initial meeting. It's a super fun process. And I look forward to doing a lot more commissions this year. Fingers crossed. Anyway, uh, keep your fingers and toes crossed for me. And hopefully the next time I talk to you, these paintings will be on their way to the US. Fingers crossed. All right, see you next time, guys.